everybody. This is Sarah Smith with Girls on Film Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being so loyal. We have 20,000, 30,000, sometimes more people listening to this podcast after three years. And I'm so, so grateful. We just found ourselves on Listen Notes, which is uh, the world's largest podcast directory out of Estonia. So thank you, Estonia. I appreciate it. Um, I have something that we're, we're doing today during this COVID-19 crisis, which is a little bit selfish of me, but um, you're going to love these gentlemen. Uh, these are two, two very, very talented musicians and professionals out of my hometown of Buffalo, New York. And uh, I met them when I was just a wee girl of 17 and they were, you know, cool and older than me and um, were fantastic, uh, fantastic guys. And they really created a great environment for me to have some new friends and try something that I'd never tried before, which was singing with a live band full of guys. Um, and that band was, unfortunately, at the time I hated the name, <laughs> called <laughs> The Wild Nights. So I've got Mr. Dave Rook out of Buffalo, New York, um, and I've got Mr. Joe Belanti. So Dave, Dave, tell everybody where they can find you online. They want to look you up after this podcast is over, which I'm sure they will. Sure. Well, hi, Sarah. And I wanted to mention I have been to Estonia. So ah! uh, <laughs> if I ever get to go again, I'll look for the the index of podcasts there. Um <laughs> I uh, I do have a website. I've been a full-time musician since 1992, um, but you and I, of course, met a long time before then. Uh, and my website is just myname.com, so it's Dave, R-U-C-H.com. Very good. And Mr. Joe Belanti, who is a <laughs> rocket scientist slash composer. And how many instruments do you play, Joe? Um, I, I own about 11, but I think I play one reasonably well and, uh, maybe two others, not so much. And the rest I'm looking at periodically thinking I should take them more seriously. So I saw you with the harpsichord. Was it the harpsichord? <laughs> what was, what's the organ? I, I don't officially have a harpsichord. No, but what is, what is I, the, I accordion, the accordion? I do have an accordion that I, mm -hmm. I play fairly frequently. Right. Yep, yes. I saw that. My Polish blood was was sing, <laughs> singing when I saw that. That's great. I am half Polish. So that's, guys, that's my, right? guys, tell me a little bit about from your perspective when when we were so young and you guys started this band because I came in later. You guys had already worked with other people and, and created it. Was it just something you were you friends or did you put it together to assemble it? How did that happen? <laughs> Dave, you want to start that? Well, you were in the band before me, so I'm going to let you take it. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you would leave that part out. So if we're talking specifically about Wild Nights, so yeah. that group, um, I would say, officially started in 1982. And I had met the guys that would form the core of that band in 1981. I happened to be uh, friends. I was, uh, I think that I must have been in 81. I would have been a sophomore in college. 
and the rest of the guys were seniors, probably juniors, maybe in high school. So I was friends with the brother of one of the guys that would be end up being in the band. And I just happened to randomly stop over at, at the house where they were rehearsing to visit this, this brother. And um, the brother wasn't there, but the band was there. And the keyboard player happened to not be there that day. Ooh. So the, my friend I was with said, hey, this, you know, he's talking about me. He says, hey, Joe plays a little bit of keyboards. You know, you guys want to jam a little bit. So I ended up sitting in with um, Corey and uh, Ken Doino and DJ. And I think Eric Melberth, I think, was playing bass at the time. And we played, you know, all the songs that I knew at the time, which was like maybe two. And uh, and they, they showed me a couple. And I, I remember doing uh, Sympathy for the Devil, uh, the Stones tune, and a couple of Grateful Dead songs. I think um, maybe uh, Fire in the Mountain and the other one come to my mind and Warfrat. So that would have been our first conversation. So that was 1981. And then a year later, their keyboard player left and they were looking for a replacement. And uh, one of the guys, I'm not sure who, but remembered that, you know, I'd stopped over that one day and they asked, uh, you know, Ken's brother, Dave, you know, Hey, can you, can you track that guy down for us? And uh, so I ended up joining the band in 1982 and, you know, pretty haphazardly. And uh, it was, it was a pretty loose operation back then to say the least. And then uh, Dave, I think you joined, I want to say 83. Does that sound correct? Yep. Yeah, it was the summer of '83 when I had my big audition. That's right. <laughs> That's in, right. in DJ's That's basement. It's a famous day in Joe and Dave history, actually. It is. There's a very <laughs> funny story that came out of that. I don't, I don't know if you want to hear it. Sarah. I totally want to hear it. <laughs> I want to hear. It. We got a little. So we got a little bit about how Joe came in. Now I, I would love to hear uh, about your audition. So, so I knew our dear friend DJ Bonin, who was one of the drummers. Of course, the band had to have two full drummers drum kids because uh they were playing a lot of grateful dead music at the time so dj being one of the two drummers i had known him since we were kids and he was always saying oh we got to get you over to play with these guys and so i was home (laughs) i was home from my freshman year of college and and dj said why don't you come over i think you know we're going to need a second guitar player so in the band so then I got a call from Ken Doino, who was kind of, I guess he was kind of the leader of the band. It might have even yeah. been his, his idea to start the band. And uh, he, it was a funny, you know, every we were all pretty young, but Ken, who was all of about 17 or 18, and was pretty full of himself. You know, he says, uh, he says yeah, yeah, I'd love if you could uh, come down and play some rhythm for me. You know, you know, uh, you know. So the band, the, the band, the band revolves around me, and I'd I'd love to have you come and play a little rhythm guitar for me, and maybe switch off a few solos. You know. <laughs> so I said, yeah, great. You know. So I came, and this is so. This is my first time meeting Joe. I think I probably <laughs> probably recognized him from. He was a couple years older than me, but um, I think he and my sister had some friends in common in high school. So yeah. I, I think I think I'd seen him before, but never really met him. And so he was right. there, and Ken and DJ and everybody. And so I came, and I didn't have an amp. Ken had said, "Yo, you can just plug into my amp," you know. So <gasps> I came. That nice. was very nice. Um, yeah. Until yeah. <laughs> 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 it was very nice. You blew his amp. But what ended up happening, no, it's like, um, no, I guess I must have, actually, now that I think of it, I must have had my own amp because Ken's amp was always turned up to what we called Ken, which is like there's one there's one through 10 and then there's Ken, which is higher than 10. Exactly. Right? So Ken's amp was always turned up to Ken. Um, yeah. And so I had my amp just fully maxed out. I don't remember if it was my amp actually, or if I borrowed it from somebody, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The listeners don't care. I had mine turned up to 10 
and I could not hear a single note I was playing. The right. band, the band was just like shockingly loud, right? And so, hello, and, hello, and Joe, did that ever change? <laughs> right. And, so Joe, who seemed like a very rational dude, I'm sitting there wondering to myself, like, like how's he doing this? Like he's he's sitting here in the in the midst of this chaos. He was he was easily the most level headed person there. Yeah. And I'm I'm thinking how do, how does he do this? You know. So uh so the time came for me to take my big solo. You know. And so Ken turned to me and like gave me the nod, like go ahead and take a solo, right? So I started playing, and I just I couldn't hear myself. None of them could hear me. You know. And eventually, I just like put my hand one hand up in the air, and I just strummed the guitar with the other hand, like signifying like i can't hear shit and like <laughs> everybody just kept playing <laughs> and right. so it just went on from there but i remember talking to joe about it after he's like oh yeah i don't even turn my volume on at those rehearsals it's like i can't hear myself and it just adds right. to all the white noise of the room so he was sitting there with his volume turned all the way down but no one even realized it because right. no one's listening to anyone but themselves exactly so yeah so at that point i knew i had to be in that band that's joe's in college Joe's smart. Like he knew what to do. He's like, this is a waste of time. I don't know. Smart might be an overstatement, but I knew, I mean, oh. having, you know, I was in engineering school at the time. So I, you know, I learned about, you know, you know, data analysis and sound waves and things like that. And I knew that if I sat there and I had a big, big amp with giant speakers in it, and I would put my head right next to it with a turn completely on the, you know, my piano would be turned all the way up and the amp would be turned all the way up right. and I couldn't, I couldn't hear it. And I thought, well, oh. I do know one, and I was wearing. I always, I've always worn earplugs, so I thought, well, it's just not good for me to be blasting the sound into my brain if I no. can't hear it. Anyway. I might as well just turn it down. Then I would just form the chords, you know, with my fingers and try to try to play along. And and I, you know, Dave when, when Dave saw me, he's probably thinking, like, look at that guy. He can he just no problem. He's not having any issues. <laughs> but I was I was having some major issues. But I just decided that arguing about it was was not worth it, and I was getting the same value from being there at rehearsal that I would have gotten, whether it was all the way up or down, I figured down was safer. <laughs> I think it's better for your instruments too, and for your amp and for every, the whole thing to not put it, you know, to not oh, ab abuse yeah. it at the highest, no. Yeah, <laughs> at the highest levels possible. No question. Yeah. Cause then I, I used to hit that piano as hard as I could too. And it had all mechanical parts in it. So they would wear out pretty regularly. So yeah, it was oh better, better, better to not do that. Yeah. That was the day that, that Dave and I met. I, I recognized him from, you know, like the yearbooks and stuff like that. He was in the same grade as my next youngest sister. And okay. um, so, you know, we had seen each other around school, but never, I don't, I don't think we ever even had a conversation. So were you guys good friends during that time? To me, we, we bonded that, that day. I mean, I, okay. I, I like, I like Dave immediately as soon as he came into band because he was like, he saw he saw the same things that I saw because for a while, you know, if you, when you're the only one, if there's 20 people in a room and you're the only one that, you know, it's like the emperor has no clothes, right? You right. Start, to, start to question yourself. And then Dave came in and saw the same things that I saw. I'm like, I like this guy. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, you you started by calling us cool, uh, but we, we, cer we certainly were the two nerdiest. <laughs> no question. And members by far. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And I remember, I, Sarah, I remember you t telling me I was a, ner a nerd back then at least once. Probably. But yeah. I've never really outgrown that either. So you're yeah. like, you're such a nerd. <laughs> oh, I always loved you though. <laughs> and Joe always loved Joe too. <laughs> that was hard being the only girl there. I can't sure. even imagine. Yeah. That was like, what the hell am I doing here? 
(laughs) (laughs) I had um, done a lot of singing uh, since the time I was very young, very young, and um, had done a lot of like classical singing um, and had actually started singing with the Williamsville South Choir in fifth grade. (laughs) Because Mr. Levy was like, I, he told my sister who was in the choir, he was like, bring your little sister in because I need a soprano. Wow. And it's, we're thin and I need a really good soprano. So she brought, she was a senior in high school. She brought me in and he auditioned me when I was 10. And I became part of the Williamsville South Choir when I was 10. It was ridiculous. That's awesome. How did, how did you end up hooking up with the Wild Knights? I don't quite remember how you came into the fold. I, I was, thank you for asking. I was um, singing again with, I had a teacher, I had a voice coach. And I was doing some jingles for uh, my dad with some of the companies that he worked with at WBEN radio. Mm -hmm. So I was always, you know, trying to um, keep my instrument trained. (laughs) And I was singing with the choir and I had a class with Cheryl Strauss, who was Ken Doino's girlfriend. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was very sweet to me and very nice. And I was very, very shy. We started talking and she asked me, you know, she started asking me about myself. And I was like, well, you know, there's one thing that I do that I like. That's my thing. And it's singing. And she said, my boyfriend just started a band. And I'm going to ask him if you can sing with his band. They need a girl. Ah, and she didn't even like say, is that okay or <laughs> <Right>. anything? She <laughs> just do it. was very, I loved her. Yeah. I loved her. She was very confident and she, you know, and again, I was very shy. So she was just like, I'm going to do this and I'll let you, I'll get back to you. And she went on a mission. She was done. So the next thing I knew, she was like, go to this house on Friday and go at this time and you're going to sing. <laughs> For them, you're going to audition. That's so funny. So I went and auditioned and sang back up on on Good Lovin' and Fire on the Mountain, I think. All right. Oh, my God. And I was so nervous that I smoked. And don't anyone who knows me think that of me. I smoked this big doobie <laughs> before I went in there. And I was like, where am I? Okay. You definitely would have fit right in at that point. <laughs> oh my god! I I remember it. I was, but I was very high. I was very yeah. high. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah, And I sang, I sang my songs, and I looked at all you guys, and I was so nervous. But I said, I gotta go, and let me know if you want it. If you want me, <laughs> let me know, and I'll see you later. <laughs> and I left. Wow. That was it. What year was that? Eighty-two. Yeah. So you were in it before yeah. me. Yeah, I was just turned seventeen. Right. Young, young and virgin. I was going to say, I, I remember, I remember Cheryl, <laughs> when the band first started. You know, we weren't, you know, we, none of us knew how to get a, you know, a gig at a club or anything. Like that we were too young anyway. And uh, but I remember Cheryl from we we just I call them basement parties. You know, we just somebody have a party and we'd all show up and set up our stuff and there'd be a there'd be a show, a quote unquote, you know, wild night show. Um, and then we started doing those outdoor 
things where we, you know, we, we'd spend eight days setting up for, you know, a Saturday afternoon or evening, evening show. And I remember, you know, you were definitely part of those, but the basement parties too. So, yep. you know, that, that's, um, that's, that's so funny. Well, and Cheryl, um, she was, she was very positive and a beautiful, beautiful girl. And, um, just one of those girls that was very, for me, you know, I was, I felt so grateful to make friends yeah. with her because again, I could never stress this enough. I was incredibly shy and being part of this group with you guys was so help. It was so, it helped me a lot because I became a lot less shy <laughs> and had a lot of fun. Oh, same, it. same for me. I mean, being, being in a band has always been for me, like, uh, a great way it forces me to be more social because I'm not that social of a person, you know, uh, it's been, it's, it's not only the way I've made like most of my best friends in the world, but, uh, it's also a way for me to feel connected to people socially. Yep. Absolutely. And one, one of the things too, is when you're up there making music in front of an audience, there's, I mean, it must be like, being in the army or something, <laughs> you're part of a team. It's a team. It's a team. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, I had never been on a team like that before. Yeah, um, for sure. But everybody was talented there. I mean, everybody was talented. Yep. I, <laughs> I, I do have the cassette tapes though. If you ever want to uh, go back and see if we actually right. were talented. There is evidence. That. Yeah. I how. Hell yes. Hell yes. <laughs> yeah. There is one you have got to, you have got to like send it to me digitally or however, however you can send it to me of partners, um, where <laughs> partners I did. 1984. Yep. Yes. The two night, the two night stand. Two night. Yeah. The, yep. <laughs> the two night. The Thanksgiving yep. tour. <laughs> awesome. Yep. I had fun that time. Especially Was there a specific song you remember doing? Sarah? White rabbit. Ah. Yep. Uh. Yeah, white rabbit, <laughs> and it was that's a really hard song to yeah. sing, and I didn't I didn't realize it. You know, you guys were like, "Could you do um, could you do white rabbit?" I'd be like, "Uh huh, okay," and then you'd be like, "Could you do some Janis Joplin?" <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like we had the luxury of having a good good singer who was oh a girl, so it's like. But, you know, and I had the luxury of being asked. We had to we had to take advantage of that and do. I think we did both the big Jefferson airplane hits, right? Somebody to love and White Rabbit. And they were fun. And even Sunrise, the Grateful Dead song that Donna Gottschow sang. Yep. Which I learned so many different. I learned so much music with you guys. I will never forget. You guys were like, we're going you want to come to see this band? And I'm like, we're going, we're going downtown. I'm like, okay, what is it? Marillion. <laughs> Marillion. I'm like, never heard of them. I don't know if you were, if you were, if you guys went to that. I concert. did not. I remember when the, when the guys I, went, but I did not go. I went yeah. to see Marillion. Yeah. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of music that I learned about from yeah. you guys, which was fantastic. Sure. That's all a big part, important part of it, you know? Same for all of us. Yep. But it's funny, Sarah, the one song I think of when I think of you is has not been mentioned yet. What? Do you know what it is? 
smack water jet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'll sing it for you again if you want me to. I had never heard that song before. <laughs> me either. <laughs> it's a great song. It's got some great keyboard in it. Some sassy yeah. stuff for yep. Joe. <laughs> okay. And I never said, I don't know if I said thank you for, for doing Layla for me. You did. This year. Oh, um, well, yeah. Because you guys did such a great job on that. We should mention that we got to be musically reunited this year. Well, I guess it was last year now, Thanksgiving. Let's let's jump there. How did that how did you guys make that happen? Well, um we had not played together as a band except for occasional like, you know, class reunions and stuff like that where people would go, Oh, we should get the Wild Knights to play again and we'd show up not having seen each other in two years since the last time we did something like that. And uh so we were doing little things like that just for like our own high school classes and stuff when they'd get together in the summer. But separate from that, we had not played out in a bar or a club since the mid nineties. And, uh, in 2018, this guy who, uh, books a really fun music club here in Buffalo called the Sportsman's Tavern, um, contacted me and he said, how about a wild nights reunion? And, uh, so of, of course I went right to, right to my, my fellow nerd friend, Joe. <laughs> Cause we're, you know, again, I think we think of ourselves as, uh, two of the more rational uh, people in the, in the band. So it's like, okay, I got to get together with Joe first and figure out, is this a good right. idea or not? So we're, we're like, well, who, who would come? I don't think any more than like 20 or 30 people even, even remember Wild Nights from, oh my God. 20, from oh my 25 God. years ago. You oh, know, right. we just decided to give it a try. And, and the guy at the club was like, oh no, it's going to sell out. And I'm we no, like, it's no, not going like, to be anywhere close crazy, to that. Though. So sure enough, like seven, Seven weeks before the gig, it had sold out. Love it. Yeah. So we did that, and we all had a riot, and people seemed super excited. You know, it's the classic thing where we all got busy having kids, and now that our kids are older, all the people that used to come see us have a little more free time and right. um, are starting to go back out and hear music again. So who better to hear than, like, this group you used to go out and party to when you were in your 20s and yeah. teens yeah. even? So uh, so that that went great, and so we immediately booked one at a bigger venue uh, called the Town Ballroom in Buffalo, which holds like 900 people, and uh, we had about 500 people come out for that. So that was about twice the number that we could so, get at the first so show. Great. Yeah, and so then from there, um, we just started playing around, not too often, but you know maybe once every three four months again, and uh, and that's when we started talking to you about yeah. coming in. Yep. Yep. And thank you. Thank you oh, for inviting me. I was like, shit, I gotta get my I gotta get this sucker in shape. I gotta and then we practice. and then we practiced we practiced tumbling dice for you and you didn't show up oh, for that gig. Never happen again. Don't worry. I'll be I'll be reliable. <laughs> I promise. But I we promise. finally wrote we finally roped you in at Thanksgiving yep. this past year and you know, I had to get up at three thirty in the morning that morning to get out of here. I know, I know. And then stayed up till three thirty in the morning. <laughs> I know. And I was like starving after that gig, and I was driving back to my friend Colleen Charlie' house. Colleen Kabicki uh -huh. is right now, and yep. went by a McDonald's, and I was like, 
Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God for a Big Mac and a French right. fry. <laughs> All right. That never tasted better. I bet. But I had so much fun that night, you guys. That was um, a fun night. night. I, I did. I talked to Rolf with uh-huh. yeah. last week because he and I, he and I have discovered a, sh- a, a mutual love of of weird television shows. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we're getting to be friends. And um, he was like, it's too bad that the sound was so bad. I was like, was it bad? Was it bad? Was the sound- uh, At the show? Yeah, that's what he said. But yeah, I, saw, I, mean- I watched a lot of the show. And I thought, like, you know, Wooden Ships was kick-ass. <laughs> that was mm. great. Uh, that- did- Is it on video somewhere? No, but that's never going to happen again because I'm going to oh, bring you, up two oh, cameras. You're saying, you're saying you watched the parts that you weren't singing up. Right. Um, oh, yeah, the whole second. I piece don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I felt like those. that's a tough room, yeah. you know. It's a, it's, a, yeah. it's, a big, it's a big empty former theater that's just like a, a concrete right. floor yeah. now, you know. Yeah. Um, so the sound just bounces everywhere. And I think they were the guys who were running the sound were still kind of trying to figure out how to work that room. Okay. So. Plus, you got everyone turned up yeah, to Ken. Because Ken, it was, oh my there was God. a lot of people on stage that night. It was unbelievable. A volume of 10 right. wasn't going to cut it. So we were all. We had, a, we had to go higher. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. But I thought you guys sounded great. Oh, well, we had fun. You know what was very strange for me was walking through that audience and then seeing some people right. that I knew, yep. right? But then seeing all these young kids, <laughs> you know, our age when we started, and we're really yeah. into it. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, well, that's all our kids, you know. That's like and, my but, kids and, and Corey's kids. Yeah. 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 That, that was very and a, cool. And a bunch of their friends. Yeah, they were totally into it. Yep. They've been, com- they've been coming to this, uh, some of the shows that this new band that we have ha- has been doing. And um and same thing. They're like yeah, way in. I love it. Let's yeah. talk about that sure. new band, the new band, which is called Oregon Fairchild, which I love. <laughs> I love it. And I want everybody to go to Instagram and look at Oregon Fairchild because <laughs> the pics and the artwork yeah. is very cool and very, very um inspiring and you just want it you just want to get a piece of it so so tell us about a little bit about how that how that came about joe (laughs) it it had a similar beginning i would say to how the wild knights got back together and ended up playing at sportsman's tavern back in 2018 so when that one happened when uh can i call dave about the knights doing a show dave called me up because that's what he does and someone calls me i call dave because you have to talk to the rational people. So we do. So Dave calls me up. He says, hey, Ken called from Sportsman's. He wants to do a Wild Nights show. And I said, that's that's like maybe the dumbest thing I ever heard. Like, who are, you know, who's going to go to that? Like, all the, I mean, are those people even still alive? I mean, of course, they're our age and younger. So, of course, they are, right? But my first reaction always is, no, that's crazy. It'll never work. And then Dave typically will talk me around it and then we'll do it. And it'll be awesome. Right? And, and always right. And I'm like, okay. So he called me and he said, hey, I got this idea for a band. It'd be a trio. It'd be you and me and Corey Curtsy. And Corey has been 
you know, Corey was there that very first day I jammed with the guys from, from Wild Nights, Corey. So that's when I met Corey back in 1981. And he says, so I'm thinking it'd be like, a, you know, like a, like a classic organ trio set up. And he, he goes through the whole description. And I said, ah, that's, I don't know. I said, that can't work. And I caught myself saying that sentence. And I said, you know what? If Dave says that to me and I think it won't work, it's probably brilliant. So we should probably do it. And I said, that's trust. Well, that's trust. And, and, there, and that's, you know, how many, almost 40 years of, of good results too. So I said, yeah, yeah, we should, we should do it. It sounded really fun. And then we, we what is it going to be? What songs? Well, we'll, we'll do these covers and we'll do this and we'll do that. And then like the more, maybe the, maybe the most important thing that happened. So in my opinion, we show up, we have a couple rehearsals and then Dave says, well, how do you guys feel about doing some original songs? And I was like, that, that would be great. I mean, we talked on and off about, you know, original music over the years. And he says, well, I, you know, I've got a few that I wrote, so I'll bring them, you know, I'll bring them to the next rehearsal. Okay. So we, so Corey and I show up at Dave's house and we're going to start rehearsing. So I got this one, he shows it to us and we go, yeah, this is great. And he said, I have this other one. By the time he was done, we had like maybe, I don't know, nine or 10, like the first night that Dave had written. And I thought, these are great songs and this is really fun. This could really work. And uh, we've just been having a, you know, we're having a blast with it. But that's, I mean, that's, you know, my, my perception of how the whole thing came together. And then, you know, I, I think we had some pretty decent momentum going, uh, you know, when everything, you know, happened here around the world. So it's, it's been, uh, you know, a little bit of a hiatus here, but uh, maybe Dave, you know, fill in, fill in some of the holes there. Cause this was maybe what was the first thing that made you think this would be a good idea? Uh, well, Joe and so Corey <laughs> and Joe and I have been playing together since night on and off since 1983, as you know, Sarah, and, uh, the three of us were on a gig um, this past year for our friend Dave Teal, who's a guitar player. And um, yep. Dave like went to the bathroom or something before we started. And the three of <laughs> that's right. The, he does that a lot. And the three of us, <laughs> he does. The three of us uh, just started playing something. I don't even remember what it was. And it was like three, all three of us have just have turned into such. Uh, musicians who are just so you know with with 30 years more experience under our belts you're just you're kind of more interested in making really cool music together and and not as interested in just like blasting out whatever it is that you can do personally right right you know we've all learned to listen better i think to whoever else you're playing with and and be sensitive to what's going on and play off of what other people are doing and so the three of us who don't get a chance to play together that often as of then um we just i don't know what we were playing and i just thought to myself like man this this could be a this could be a band just the three of us if we did it right you know so yep and so my idea was you know the or, the old organ trio format which um back in the 1960s was a, a kind of a popular format for jazz trios where the organ player you have basically organ, guitar, and drums, so there's no bass player. Yeah. So the organ player covers the bass part with their left hand, and then they play organ with their right hand. Um, so the organ player basically has to play two instruments at the same time. So I thought that's perfect because I don't have to do that. Um, we'll make we'll make <laughs> we'll make Joe do that. Um, right. Joe's so smart. Right. He's a rocket scientist. He uses both right. sides of I his know. brain can, <laughs> all the time. He can pat his head and rub his belly, so it was a no-brainer. <laughs> oh, I hate that about him. So, I mean, so I thought this could actually be like a full functioning band, just the three of us, and how fun that would be because these are some of my oldest yeah. and dearest friends, musically and otherwise. So that was it. And then I wasn't thinking about original music at all, but I just I. 
I think stuff started to come out of me. I've never, you know, I'm 50, yeah. 55 years old. I've never written a lick of music until this past year. And a bunch of stuff just started kind of falling out of me. And I, I would run it by these guys and uh, it almost instantly it would get turned into something really cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I'm just going to jump in here right now and just say, everybody, listen up here because uh, <laughs> we're going to listen to some Oregon Fairchild right now. continue that was fantastic well thank you <laughs> who wrote that song dave did you write that one uh, that, was definitely, that was definitely dave yes yes i did i did although you know <laughs> as with all as with all these songs you bring them to the group and then they they become what they become you know yeah, it, yeah. it's not like it's not like you bring the song and you go okay joe i want you to play this and Corey, i want you to play that it's like you work it out as a collective unit and it always gets better once you do that. Yay. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Joe. It is for us too. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to, what do you want to do with, with Oregon Fairchild next? Next. So if you put it in the context of, um, you know, we had a sort of an inaugural show and, um, you know, working with, with uh, Greg Meadows who did the artwork and some of the promotion, Dave does a great job with uh, with promotion. You know, we, we ended up with uh, you know a pretty pretty decent crowd at our, our first show, probably you know a couple hundred people at least in a in a fairly small place. Right. And then each you know each show we had done after that had had built upon that. We were able to um, you know right before everything happened with um, you know with the virus and all, we had been able to open for uh, Melvin Seals and the Jerry Garcia Band at Ironworks here in Buffalo. We've been invited to play at a you know festival in the fall. Now that you know, may or may not happen, so we'll have to wait and see about that. But you know, things had really had really moved along so um, and, and and quickly, which is which was pretty remarkable. And um, so I, I had actually made the decision probably a couple months before everything happened here to uh, two things. I guess one first one, maybe the most important one, is to, is to take it very seriously because a lot of times with my day job, you know, music has always been part time for me. So I practice when I can and memorize lyrics when I can. And sometimes I do great with that and some, sometimes not so much. And I thought, well, this is yeah, maybe not. And I'm, you know, David said he's 55. I just turned 58 in, in April. And I thought, well, uh, you know, this, I want to, I want to take this really seriously and see what, how good can this be if, if we really put, you know, put our time into it. So I, I had invested in, um, into a pretty decent uh, Hammond organ uh, that I'd be able to, um, to use for the show is actually the first time I used it actually was the night you sang with us on Thanksgiving last year. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. So that's, I bought that specifically to use with, with Oregon Fairchild, but it works great in other, other contexts as well. And then um, I started looking into um, upgrading my keyboard setup, which I had not done literally 
since the 80s, maybe here and there, maybe a keyboard here and a you know, mixing board here or something like that, but never really have embraced fully any of the newer technology because most of the music that I play is 60s and 70s type music, which is piano and organ. So as long as I had a great piano and a great organ and a great sound setup that I could work with on stage, I was good to go as far as all that, you know, getting into all that. But trying to take the organ trio format and then bring it into a more modern setting, I started looking into, uh, you know, some of the... Um, some of the software synthesizers you can get today. So I've you know, invested in, a, in an Apple laptop for the first time. So I'm starting to learn all that. And then everything happened with the, you know, with the virus and all that equipment showed up like the week before this all happened. So, and I thought, well, what am I, how am I going to make time as a part-time musician to absorb the learning curve of all this new stuff? And then I got sent home from work and I still get to work, but I, I work from home. And now I've got, I've, I've had six or seven weeks now to read manuals and take tutorials and, kind of spool myself up. So where I see it going is, I mean, it's almost unlimited, the things we could do at this point in terms of, I'll say like the, uh, you know, the sound textures, the songwriting, um, I've got things I'm working on. In fact, I just had sent Dave a note earlier today that I've got some ideas I want to send over to him and, and Corey. Hey, check this out. Tell me which ones you like, and then we'll, you know, we'll start putting them together. We can't really get together yet, but hopefully we can over the next several weeks. I guess ideally in my head for where we go is by the time this is all over, we can go out and start playing again. We've got at least two CDs worth of original material so that we can get into a recording studio and get a couple CDs put together and then we can go out and do, you know, full, you know, two set live shows that it's all our own music. That's, I mean, that's where I'd like to see it go over the next uh, six months to a year. That's so exciting. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm real excited about it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this Girls on Film podcast with Dave Rook and Joe Belanti of the band Oregon Fairchild from Buffalo, New York. We'll be having some other folks from the music scene, including missing band member Corey Kurtzy, amazing drummer, and other people from the Wild Nights. Uh, can't wait to do it. Thanks for listening. This is Girls on Film, and we are out. <laughs> <laughs>